This is the Change Order podcast where we discuss the people, projects, and ideas at the forefront of housing innovation. My name is David Friedlander, and this is actually a special episode because the change order is morphing into a consultancy, a, a, develop, a real estate development consultancy and research body um, looking at developing an end-to-end solution that looks at high-level economic climate data down to dirt-level architectural engineering and construction uh, solutions. And per that uh, um, pivot, we are assembling some of the talent that's in the the, the so-called group um, and uh, discussing our respective backgrounds and um, and perspectives on things and, uh, and and so on and so forth. So this group uh, today here, uh, Derek Borowski, Greg Lindsay, and Mike Eliason are three gentlemen that I've come to know and love over the years and um, uh, have known all of them at least for at least five years, uh, going on a decade. Uh, Derek, I met uh, when I was at the uh, microhousing startup Life Edited, and Derek was um, at uh, Jordan Pernas Digital Architecture and was uh, an SVA and doing a lot of really interesting stuff on microhousing that he later uh, put into WeWork and WeLive, and we can talk about that. Uh, Greg is um, sort of a super connector, and um, apparently we did a uh, a TEDx together in 2013 <laughs> in Dumbo. Uh, but uh, Greg is uh, definitely, uh, um, certainly one of the most connected guys in, in the worlds of um, uh, innovation in terms of uh, policy and governance and uh, and now uh, climate migration and, um, uh, you know, really uh, at the vanguard of, of um, what's important uh, in, in terms of uh, figuring out what, uh, you know, how to create more just, uh, uh, sustainable society. And then Mike Eliason, uh, we only got in contact directly fairly recently, but, uh, I knew of his work for a long time. Uh, Mike is, uh, one of the, pretty much the foremost expert, you know, in, in the world or certainly in North America about, um, social housing, primarily in the Baugruppen, uh, model, but also, um, uh, low, no carbon uh, construction operations, uh, CLT, uh, you know, uh, mass, mass timber, uh, so on, uh, and modern methods of construction and uh, design for manufacturing. Uh, Mike is 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 the uh, is the, is the guy uh, to, to to talk to. Um, so you know, uh, the initial conversation was going to be framed with. Um, Derek and Greg, because uh, we're all from the sh- uh, greater Chicago area. Uh, but um, uh, just ask Mike, and <laughs> I'm sure he has tons to add. And and really, um, you know, uh, I'm I'm originally from the south suburbs of Chicago. Uh, I, w- I grew up in a planned community. Uh, you know, in that later uh, there was a huge white flight. Uh, I moved I moved around the Chicago area and um, I lived on the north side and and whatnot and. Uh, and, you know, my, my later journeys always took me to places that were far more urban and dense. And, and I feel like a lot of my professional interests are sort of a, a reaction to my upbringing, my suburban upbringing, uh, and all of the systemic uh, problems therein. Um, 
And, you know, now looking at where Chicago is uh, presently as, uh, you know, as a testament to uh, uh, just this, uh, you know, to sprawl. I mean, Chicago and, you know, uh, certainly Cook County, but 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 but, uh, the other counties um, and and I'm sure Greg, you'll speak into this. uh, You know, uh, I I mean, there's very few uh, greater casualties to to. America's rapacious, uh, you know, need to, to for more and, and expanse uh, than than the greater Chicagoland area. So, um, you know, I thought that was uh, and and uh, lastly, uh, I was you know was looking at the Vi- uh, Venice uh, Biennial uh, uh, exhibition, and you know, it was it was talking about timber and, and balloon framing uh, again, which is something that you know Mike and I are you know well whatever it's <laughs> they're, they're celebrating cheap uh construction and hasty planning and a lot of the stuff that you know that that i feel like we're trying to promote is is deliberate planning and um and 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 careful careful planning and and not hasty and 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 looking at what's the best method versus what's the you know one that could be easily scaled and improvised and um and and all that is you know largely dependent on uh car infrastructure and blah 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 so um you know, I, I, I dumped a lot, but I'm going to I'm going to uh, I'm going to shut up um, uh, uh, for for a bit because my, my my audio might not be great also. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, hand, hand it over to um, to uh, to the to the floor. So uh, whoever wants to uh, chime in um, and and I get oh, yeah, the big thing is like, you know, I want to frame this like what can be done? What can be done? <laughs> I mean, my, my first answer is stop building more. Uh, um, that's the, you know, uh, that, that's the big one, but, um, but beyond that, what, what can we do? Um, what can we do? Cause the, it's, it's, it's such a, such the sprawl, uh, whether it's in Chicago or, uh, California or Seattle or, uh, wherever it's, it's, it's so, um, it's so ubiquitous and it, and it seems to be going on unabated, even, even though we know, you know, how, how harmful it is to the environment, to, to people, to, to so on and so forth. So, um, you know, I guess, uh, you know, asking from the group, sharing your experiences, but also like, uh, where would you like to see things going, <laughs> uh, in spite of what is happening? Uh, so I, I guess that, yeah, that those would be the, the prompts. Well, this is Greg. I'll go first. Thanks for, thanks for having me, David. Um, I don't know. I, I'm starting with I'm starting from the proposition right now at this moment in time where you know we're seeing proposals come out of the Biden administration that you know the housing plank of the American Jobs Act is going to be 318 billion dollars. And I, I thought it was interesting that you know what do we do first? Well, I guess maybe first we we do no harm, right? Uh, there's a preservation piece uh, to I think a lot of this, preserving housing and preserving opportunities in the places that are going to be sort of relatively climate safe. I, I've been thinking about this a lot, obviously, about you know can we can we make the Great Lakes great again? You know. In the sense of, uh, you know, a big chunk of America that was depopulated due to white flight and all the uh, all the factors you're talking about, including our hometowns. Uh, for three of us in Illinois, I grew up just south of where you did in Kankakee, Illinois, which is now you know basically part of the exurban periphery of Chicago. Um, but you know, how do, how do we sort of like link those people who are in? Uh, high-risk areas on the coasts and in the wildfire zones of America? And how do we link it to the cities that were left behind there? How do we – I'm, I'm trying to think about mechanisms right now where we can create green jobs in both places where the people who will eventually have to leave 
you know, through managed retreat on the coast uh, and find and, and settle in these sort of new communities that we need to build and new housing that we need to build. And, you know, I'm, I'm combing through the Green New Deal text as we speak, actually, uh, the the, the, uh, the Green New Deal for Cities proposal by Reps Cory Bush and, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to think about, like, you know, 50% of the trillion dollars they want to allocate should go to frontline communities. Well, where, which frontline communities and where should they be? And how do we think about this? Not as just like entrenching in place, drawing a line in the sand that we're going to hold out against climate change, but thinking about how do we create opportunities and a new vision for those people who will eventually have to move? How do we focus on the future and not loss? So I don't that's, that's sort of a starting place for me in thinking about solutions, not just, you know, here's defining the problem of climate change, what will happen, but like, you know, we just start to think about like a whole new process, right? Of like a new kinds of like tenure and and rights and entitlements. So those people who are battling climate change on the front lines today will have a place to fall back to and have a future tomorrow. Um, Derek, you're going to say something. Well, I, I was just going to um, just tack onto that a little bit that, um, you know, I think we talk a lot about um well, this is the political tension around this idea of a green new deal. Um, and it seems like, um, you know, the liberal coastal elites are interested in this project that, um, at least from what we hear in the media, um, is of little interest in, in the Midwest. But at the same time, you know, the Midwest that, you know, that, um, where, that I grew up in is in the situation it is in now because of, uh, largely because of this, you know, flight of people like me <clears throat> and my generation to those coasts. And so I guess it's just, for me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly reminded of the fact that a lot of the political tension that's, that, that we're in now, this sort of polarity um, has a lot to do with that loss of jobs and the, and, and that in the Midwest and in these um, rural towns and, I feel like the the proposals, the Green New Deal, as an opportunity to um, to obviously be a um, a solution in that way as well. So it's like it's not just about solving climate change; it's actually about solving for equity and solving for this sort of um, polarized climate we're in. So I, I want to jump in, in a little bit and and give Mike a setup because it's like, I mean, Greg, you started with this proposition of, of do no harm. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm hearing a lot of like, a lot of figures thrown around a lot of, you know, like, oh, money, you know, we're doing this, but like the, the basically the, the regulatory sit- situation is such that, um, I don't personally have any faith that that money is going to make its way to the right solutions. Um, it, it seems as though like. Uh, most most big government right now is still very focused on on car development, you know, car based development. And, you know, uh, I posted something on Twitter the other day, but it's like, um, you know, I'm interested in, uh, you know, the, the you know, like you said, Greg, the, the, the communities that are going to remain. Um, and I'm usually, you know, thinking about more northern climates, uh, you know, generally I've been looking more like, you know, looking like in the Pacific Northwest. And or, you know, Greg, I remember, remember you posted something about it in Toronto, these areas that, you know, stand to be uh, possible uh, climate havens, for example. Um, and yet the, um, you know, the 
the um, the development patterns are, uh, I mean, people are still just building, you know, one green single family detached housing greenfield development after the other, you know, and then, and then there has to be supporting infrastructure. And then it becomes this social issue about, you know, supporting people who live out in the suburbs and, ugh, you know, um, so like, like, how do we, how do we get, how do we get there from here while there's still, you know, one uh, subdivision after the next gets, gets entitled, you know, in, in, in the desert. <laughs> um, so, uh, I, Mike, do you get where I'm going? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, um, I think the regulatory issue is a big one. Uh, I, I feel like professionally I'm stuck between these two worlds, having worked in Germany and the U S and so much of the development in, you know, German cities, Austrian cities, even uh, French cities, you know, it's these dense eco districts, right? These uh, car-free centers um, with, you know, a mix of housing, social housing, market rate housing, open space. It's all comprehensively planned, transit. And, and we don't do anything like this anywhere in the U.S. really. Uh, there are a couple of kind of car-like, car-free developments underway, but they're in places that, you know, I don't know how resilient they are from a, from a climate sense. Um, but I, I do think there are significant issues with the, with the cold sack. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to name them, but yeah, I mean, the, you know, in Tempe, right. So, yeah, so it's the, not, you know, the long-term implications <laughs> of that are, you know, unclear to me, but the, the regulatory side is huge. We don't, we don't have the political mechanisms really to, to kind of develop these, these comprehensive master plans uh, for places uh, that people can live, you know, without a car and, you know, really engage with the 15 minute cities. And I know a lot of places are trying to modify or redefine what a 15 minute city is so that, you know, they can kind of say that they're, they're tackling some of those issues. Uh, but I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's really, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, a difficult issue. Uh, the, the politics of it are weird. Uh, you know, it's land use, it's financing, banks want parking, um, it's zoning, uh, cities want parking as well. And so I'm not really sure uh, from the regulatory side what the, you know, it's probably going to be something from the federal government. Uh, and I think the Biden administration is looking at this, right, where they're providing basically grants for cities that start to, to tackle some of these issues. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it just, it, I, I'm thinking about, you know, th there's these, you know, the, the, the I, I, maybe Greg, you, you know, exactly, but, um, the, the Biden administration's, uh, climate target, which is what is it? 52% reduction by 2031 or something like that of 2005 levels, right? Something like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's half by 2030. So, so yeah, it's hard to imagine how you can achieve that through pure, you know, adoption of F-150 lightnings, even even if the sucker goes fast, as President Biden said when he tried one out the other day. Um, but yeah, your point, like it's, I mean, to Mike's point there, it's it's without land use changes, without any of this, we're not going to get anywhere. And and yeah, I mean, you're right about the regulations and you're right about, I mean, but it goes, it goes beyond zoning too. I mean, if we're discussing this is from a big picture standpoint, one of the issues that I'm also very interested in and have gotten more and more sort of horrified by over the last few years has been the, you know, 
ongoing financialization of housing to like new and ever worse extremes. And by this particularly, I'm horrified by the, the rise of the single family rental class, which, you know, emerged out of the ruins of the 2008-9 financial crisis of the tens of thousands of mortgage homes where the Obama administration basically protected the banks instead of the homeowners. Uh, in 2009, you, there's literally like a, a day where you can see the road not taken that would have protected them. And instead, you know, yeah, you know, in comes Blackstone, in comes American Family Homes for Rent and scoop them all up. And we've reached the point a decade later now where they ran out of those cheap homes. And now like you see home builders, the big ones like Lennar and DR Horton and the others are now building this as, as brand new investment stock. And there are, there are funds lined up to do this, you know, CBRE and their uh, next big forecast, like outlined, like the, the basically the multifamily housing market globally could triple uh, as an asset class if investors pour into this to turn this to rental. So, so we're seeing this, you know, I, I bring this up because, you know, now we're seeing not just single family homes being built, but they're being built as investment properties. Like, you know, this, this notion of the American dream that, you know, that we have to create single family homes as a vehicle for a path into the, into the middle class. Like that's not even true anymore. Now that's becoming a way to sort of pocket those gains as well. So, so before we can even deal with like things like the zoning stuff and parking minimums, a lot of things that urbanists, you know, I think rightly celebrate. Um, but I think they're like, they're a whole order down from this level of financialization, which, you know, I don't know really how we're going to crack that anytime soon either. Yeah, it's just I'm I'm think I'm drawing the parallels because um and, and you know hearkening back, I think I I've told this group, but um, you know I I lived so my 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 folks were divorced, and I had uh two I lived in two subdivisions. One was uh, actually my father he had a a, a co op in Park Slope. Or not Park Slope, sorry, Park Forest, uh, not not too far off, um, Park Forest, Illinois. And then um, my mother uh, owned a house in a in a subdivision in um, a, a nearby uh, Park Forest South, later University Park. And these were actually planned communities, fairly dense, kind of you know uh, built in green spaces. Um, and, and in certain way, they were um, they were the the early day uh, cul-de-sac, <laughs> you know, um, and, you know, this has been my charge against cul-de-sac because it is um, it is in a vulnerable climate spot. You know, I, I, I throw out this fact nearby Phoenix had over 100 day, you know, had 144 days um, over 100 degrees in, in 2020. Um, and. Likewise, in Chicago, it had a lot of the components of uh, had a lot of the elements that would make a um, a good housing situation. But there was like this asterisk. One was like it, there there was no job base. Um, you know, uh, the sprawling infrastructure. Uh, you know, there was no town centers, and it, it set up the conditions for for the current blight. Uh, and I see this, you know, I talk about this with uh, Greg a lot, but I see the same, you know, setup going on in Arizona because because all those tracks that are thrown up in the desert where, you know, they don't, you know, they have minimal uh, environmental oversight. Um, so we're just seeing, you know, we're seeing more of the same. Like I see Arizona as the, you know, as the as the university park, uh, you know, of um, you know, or the Joliet or whatever, the South suburbs of Chicago of the future, even though, you know, investors love them right now because they're, they're, they're sprawling out uh, tracks of single family housing. Um, so I guess the, you know, kind of like uh, in, in a final 10, 10 minutes, I, I, I want to push the, uh, you know, things, 
like what what can be done about what's existing um you know what what do we <laughs> um how do we um how do we not repeat the past and how do we uh deal with existing uh resources um in terms of uh you know uh writing writing the ship uh and 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 right and, and and i guess you know want to define what i see as the goal which is a sustainable um housing situation where people aren't um you know where people can uh uh, actually live their lives instead of, um, you know, living to support their, uh, their cost of living and chief amongst those is, is, um, you know, are there housing expenses? Um, so how do we, ugh, I don't know. <laughs> how do, uh, you know, what, what's, what's, what, uh, and no, no magic answers here, but what's, you know, what's the path forward? Like what, what, sh- I guess, you know, here's a nice way of framing it up. What should the Biden administration do? Right. Um, Given given what it is, and in, in, in let's let's just say it's in a vacuum, you know. Uh, I mean, for me, I'll, I'll start off is like I think, uh, and I'm trying to distill what this means, but I think that essentially the uh, Biden should declare a climate emergency, and uh, you know, certain things like parking minimums and all of these things that are you know designed around the perpetuation of car cultures are um, you know are are immediately like thrown off the table, or some sort of adoption of uh, international best practices, uh, you know, whether it's, um, you know, borrowing building code from, uh, you know, from a, a European, uh, you know, a city or something like that. Uh, so I want to, you know, just, it, we get it, it's a morass. So what, what, what do we do <laughs> or what can be done? What should Biden do? Um, if, you know, what would you do if you were Biden? Um, hit it. <laughs> I'll just, I'll, I'll just jump, I'll jump on that. Just, just quickly, I don't I clearly don't have all the um, solutions here, but uh, I, I just to touch back, touch back to Greg's point about the financialization of housing. I I do think that that is the root of so much um, evil that there we need to tackle somehow de incentivizing that. Um, you know, in New York, uh, I think it's about sort of how we tax um, second homes and you know and apartments as investment vehicles and things like that. Outside of New York, I don't. I don't know so much how you how you tackle that, but I think even even bigger than that, though, I think no matter like if let's just say Biden declares a climate emergency, um, what you're going to run into is that all of the you know the like the right wing um, folks are going to jump on that and use that as like a rallying cry to basically rally their base against that very same thing, right? Like. Like I think there there is a certain amount that can be done through legis- legislation, but I think there needs to be a way that we can bring everyone else on board, or bring those those the people that don't believe in the climate emergency, or or, or the people that are going to reject that notion. And I think that it's a longer project, but it, but I think that advocacy around that uh, it really does begin with um, like helping people solve their everyday problems. Like I think like the green jobs thing, I do think is a way of unlocking some of that openness to dealing with climate change. 
I'll, I'll jump in here. This is Greg. And because um, I, I, I've got I've got some specific proposals in this area that I'm really keenly interested in. So what I would do, rather than focus on the climate emergency, what I would do to address some of the financialization of housing issues is, is you can't simply erase that wealth off the books. The American middle class would revolt. Uh, California would burn to the ground alone. Uh, but what I would do is obviously institute wealth taxes as has been proposed by Senator Sanders and Warren and others and use the proceeds of that to fund a national housing trust. So the Fair Cloth Amendment does not allow the construction of new public housing in America. Uh, I don't think the Senate – I mean the Senate can't overcome a filibuster on a January 6th commission. So they're definitely not going to overcome for that one. Um, so if you can't build new public housing, what I would do is is that when the eviction crisis begins again in earnest, which it will do when the moratoriums end, is that the National Housing Trust would step in and do what Obama didn't more than a decade ago, buy up all of those homes wherever they are, uh, block grants into the various land banks and housing trusts that exist in Chicago and Detroit and elsewhere. Uh, and I would also try to do is, is to create special federal level carve-outs the way as has happened here in Canada, where the way in Indigenous peoples and First Nations are actually exempt from local control, local ordinances uh, on new construction. So in Vancouver, for example, there, you know, there's a First Nation there that is going to build exactly the kind of dense master plan housing that Mike described earlier, because there's nothing Vancouver and the locals can do to stop them because they report only to the feds. So I would try to do something like that to build exactly that kind of you know dense new housing construction that, uh, that can't be done elsewhere. And, and this is where I'll throw the floor to Mike, because I think that's where we need the kind of new tools like, or, you know, new tools in the United States, like Bauer group and new co-housing models, new construction techniques that would allow us to sort of build that. So that, that to me is like the opportunity. If we can create these kinds of trusts for permanently affordable housing on the stuff that already is there, if we could just start building on it overnight, maybe that would start to make a dent at least. I, I do want to interject before we hear from Mike that, you know, the, the, the middle class in uh, California is already burning to the ground, literally and figur figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> Just, it's true, and they're going to they're going to hold on to their housing values as tightly as they can until that day comes. But, but yeah, I don't know, Mike. What do you what do you think from that? I mean, you wrote a whole piece for Tree Hugger, basically arguing that Americans' construction is 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 well, maybe not irredeemably broken, but badly, badly broken. And I'm curious about like whether this what where, where the interventions be made there in, in techniques, materials, and like what any of that can scale. Like how do we, how do we build out of like sustainable CLT lumber uh, when we can't even get lumber when lumber prices have gone up three hundred percent. Yeah, no, I think it's a, a good question. I think part of it goes to, uh, you know, is CLT something that's that's scalable in the short term uh, without, you know, really changing the way that we do a lot of uh, building practices? You know, in, in Europe, there's a whole slew of uh, value-added timber products that, that have uh, similar effects to CLT, but use significantly less wood. So I think that there's maybe like these hybrid models that we can start to look at. Um, but Greg, I think you, you nailed it. We need, uh, new models, uh, for people to live for middle-class families, you know, like, like my own, um, co-ops, co-housing, Baugruppen, uh, a, a big part of that is financing. We've been trying to figure out how to build one here in Seattle on and off for almost, you know, a decade now. Uh, and the financing portion is, is really, really difficult in Germany. They have development banks that uh, that will come in and fund projects like this, um, and you know get really deep affordability. Uh, you know, make these really great you know intentional communities, uh, and, and so we really we really don't have, I think the 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 models to look at for it as well as the the mechanisms to to allow it. So I think that you know the the regulatory portion the uh, you know, finding new ways for people in the middle class, working class to build wealth 
uh, without, you know, having a car and a detached home in the middle of the suburbs uh, is really going to become even more critical. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I was just thinking about, you know, I shared with you, um, you know, like a, whatever, a, 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 you know, a 300 unit um, single family housing subdivision in Portland, you know, and that's what get fi- that's what gets financed, right? Yeah. Uh, because they know they're going to get 30 bidders on each one of those houses. Right. So, um, it's, it's, so, I mean, I guess what we're, what I'm hearing, you know, on, yeah, someone's, someone's got to pay for, for something different. (laughs) Someone's got to be willing to pay and do something different. That that Portland project is going to be like 180 detached homes on a huge parcel and in Vienna, Berlin, Hamburg, even Paris, you know, half of that site would be open space. There'd be uh, several hundred to a thousand units, a good chunk of it affordable, um, you know, community amenities on the ground floor of a lot of those places, kindergarten. Yeah. So you wouldn't have to drive your kid to go to kindergarten. You know, it, it was, it'd be a great opportunity to really show what could be done and what should be done. Uh, but it's going to be, you know, million dollar homes instead. So. Yeah. I, and I guess that's, you know, we're at, we're at, um, 29 minutes. So we'll kind of wrap it up here, but that's really what this group is about is, um, you know, that was the intention that I have behind the group, which is exposing people to the possibilities. Um, you know, I see just even single family housing as, uh, as a threat in and of itself, because it, it, it it's, um, you know, I, I use the comparison all the time, but it's like, it's like building a, an iPhone with one or two apps on it. And because, you know, you're friends with another, I, you know, with another smartphone maker down the road who has like, you know, his commercial and, you know, commercial real estate, um, you know, one app, uh, <laughs> you know, one app, uh, iPhones down the road or smartphones. Um, you don't, you know, you don't make the housing as efficient as it could be. And, you know, really what, um, you know, the, my thrust certainly besides uh, climate forbearance and, and uh, economics economic uh, temperance is uh, and 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 just um, and and uh, equality is um, is efficiency like uh, you know really seeing because I do see these you know it's essentially a, a architectural monoculture uh, and uh, and and there could be so much done with with a building, uh, whether an existing building and 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 unfortunately we have to wrap up here. But you know, I would love to you know dig deeper into you know what are those what are those solutions? Um, uh, in, in what could we do instead? <laughs> what could we do with that money instead of creating um, you know whatever 180 uh, single family housing uh, it, units um, for you know for well healed one uh, percenters? So. Um, uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll have to save that for another day. Um, but, uh, anyone, uh, have any, uh, so, and, and I'll, uh, and anyone have any, uh, uh parting, parting thoughts? <laughs> well, uh, David, thanks for bringing us together to talk about this and I'm looking forward to many more conversations, um, and, uh, and showing people, um, basically expanding their imaginations. Yeah. Yeah, that's I I, th- I think I think that's it. Um, so um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll wrap it up. Uh, really, thanks so much, uh, Derek, Greg, Mike, uh, Change Org Group. We're for we're for hire. 
uh, you can go to uh, changeorder.group uh, or email info at changeorder.group uh, for any inquiries and really about, uh, you know, seeing, you know, we're really interested in talking to land developers, uh, as, uh, building holders and, and uh, applying our imagination and our uh, skill set to uh, to real time projects and uh, real time problems uh, and real real time objectives, uh, you know, hard and fast uh, climate objectives, objectives towards um, you know creating equitable society. We'll you know we 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 have vivid imagination and a, a, a ton of experience, and we would love to help. So, uh, changeorder.group, and thanks for listening.